that Jesus has given to us in Matthew 18. Um, today, I'm going to be finishing up Matthew 18, and uh, we've been working on this passage for a few few weeks now. I I enjoy preaching on this this subject. It's it's complicated, it's weighty, but it's interesting and helpful to me. Um, I've preached on this uh, subject of forgiveness a, a couple of times before, and I have done it every time because Matthew needs it, <laughs> and that's why I'm being helped by it. I hope y'all are helped a little bit by it um, in the process, but uh, we're coming to the end of this, and we will pick up in Matthew 18, and really in verse 27, which if you recall, is kind of the middle of the story. Um, it's the middle of the story. There's been a story that's happened so far in Matthew 18, verse 23 through 27, in which there's a fella who owes a lot of money to a very rich and wealthy and powerful man. And he begs for his life. He begs for forgiveness. He begs for hope. He begs for a little more time. And the king, even though that's a price, a high price, a, a debt this man could never pay in a hundred lifetimes, the man... The king looks at him and says, okay, you're forgiven. In fact, you'll see that in verse 27, that he's forgiven. He has been loosed and forgiven of the debt. He has been acquitted. There's no punishment for his, his pain, his, uh, his, uh, his, his, uh, the, the mistake that he's made. There's no punishment for it. And he's forgiven. He does not have to pay this debt anymore. That's where we left the story the last time we, we were talking about this. We're picking up in verse 27, or rather verse 28 after that, and we're going to look at what happens after this man's forgiven. Before I do that, I'm going to just stop for just a brief moment and ask the Lord to help me as I preach to you. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I need you to um, help me to, to say the right things, to, to really point these people to what your word has to say. They need to know what you say. They need to know what your mind is. And I pray that your Holy Spirit will take what's said here and use it to drive them closer to you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 28, Matthew 18 says, But that same servant, but the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants. So this is the fellow that's just been forgiven. If y'all remember, it's, a, it's billions of dollars in today's currency. We were, th- we're thinking about money that's, I can't even imagine, I can't imagine millions of dollars to be frank with you, but I can't imagine billions of dollars. It's like you're making up numbers now. That's how much this man has owed and has been forgiven. But now he goes out in verse 28 and he finds one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. Now, just to give you a little bit of uh, context there, because I don't, I don't operate in pence. I operate in dollars and cents. So just to help you kind of put some equivalent here, 100 pence would be about half a, half a year's work. So about a, that working for about a half a year, what you might get, an average amount of money. Again, all of us make a little bit of different amounts there. But if you think about that amount of money, what might you bring in for a year? Half of that is what this man owed. So the reason I say that is because this is not nothing. This is not $5 for lunch. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about some money here. This is some significant money, but we're still talking about something that you give me enough time, I can repay half of your salary. 
Do you give me enough time? I could never repay billions of dollars. That's the difference here. This man who's been forgiven a billions of dollars worth of debt goes and finds a man that says, you owe me half of your salary. And here's what he goes on and does. Look what he says in verse 28. At the, end, the middle of the verse, it says, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat. I think this guy's getting a little violent here. He's grabbing hold of him. He's holding on to him. And he says, pay me that thou owest. Pay me that thou owest. He goes and, I mean, even the king who has billions owed to him doesn't lay hands on the, this man. The best as I can tell, there's not really any violence towards him, even in the, the previous verses. But here's a guy that says, no, no, I'm going to grab a hold of him and he's going to shake him, choke him by the throat, and I'm going to make sure I get what I want. Verse 29, you see that his fellow servant falls down at his feet and besought him saying, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. Not for, it's, it's not unimportant that verse 29 and verse 26 are very similar prayers. The man who owes billions says to his master in verse 26, have patience with me, I will pay thee all. The man who owes a half a year's salary says to the man who owes it to, in verse 29, have patience with me, I will pay thee all. There's literally the saying the same thing to each other. This man begs for mercy. But look at what this man does. Y'all remember what the master did to him when he was owing billions? Remember verse 27? He says he's loosed and he's forgiven. He's not punished. There's no punishment. He's no debt. It's all erased. It's all as if it never happened. But look at what he does in verse 30 when he's offered the opportunity to forgive someone and he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. Here is a man who's been forgiven an enormous debt. He has an opportunity to forgive someone else, a significant debt, mind you, but a debt nonetheless. He's been given that opportunity to do that. And instead of even trying to give him more time and more mercy, anything, what does he do? He says, no, we're going we're gonna to throw the book at you. We're going to throw, throw the full weight of the wall. And he puts him in prison and makes sure that he's going to pay that debt back to him. He does not acquit this man. He does not forgive this man. As a result of that, if you go to verse 32, I'm just going to skip down to verse 32 for a second. His Lord, this man who's forgiven billions, he says, his Lord, after he heard, I had called him and said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest thou not have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? Uh, the king's not happy with him. I mean, you could imagine he's not happy with this fellow at all. He is not happy with him. The bottom line that I want to make sure I get, to, get y'all to think about for just a minute this morning is, because we want to learn from this about us forgiving other people. That's really what this is about. That's really what I'm trying to help you with, help me with. How do I forgive people? What do you think Jesus thinks about your forgiveness? I'm talking about how you forgive other people. When he looks at how you've forgiven other people, how you have dealt with people who have trespassed against you, dealt with people who have sinned against you, dealt with people who have wronged you, how... Was when you've forgiven them or not, what do you think Jesus thinks about that? In this passage, we see what the master thinks about this man's forgiveness. He doesn't think a whole lot of it. And I want to at least acknowledge that most of our forgiveness 
If we're honest, I can't speak for every person in this room, but I can speak for Matthew Tilly's forgiveness. Most of our forgiveness falls miserably short of the forgiveness that we have been given. Most of our forgiveness, it's just, it's just not what, it doesn't live up to the forgiveness that we have been given. It just doesn't. You might try to, you might want to, but I promise you most of your forgiveness, again, I, I can't even speak to y'all, most of my forgiveness, it falls way short of what he's done for me. Because I'm telling you, he forgave me a debt I genuinely could never pay. There are things that people have done against me that you could argue could be repaid if they had enough time, if they spent enough money, if they paid some penalty, whatever that was, they could arguably pay for that. But the debt that I incurred, I could never, ever, ever repay. Yet he forgave it of me. So what do you think Jesus thinks about your forgiveness? What I want to give you this morning very quickly is when your forgiveness falls short, when your forgiveness isn't where it ought to be, I'm going to give you three things that you should expect. In fact, I would argue you even want these three things to happen. But these are three things that are going to happen whenever you don't forgive the way you ought to forgive. When you do not acquit and not hold against someone what they have done against you, when you don't do that or don't do that properly, there's three things that's going to happen. And again, I, want, I think you actually want these things to happen. You should want these things to happen, but these things are going to happen to you. First of all, now listen to what I say and then listen to how I explain it. So make sure you listen to both. If you don't forgive properly, the church is going to talk about you. The church is going to talk about you. Now, now listen to me. Y'all listen to me. Look at what he says here in verse 31. So this guy doesn't forgive properly. His fellow servants saw what was done. So this guy, he's, he's choking his other fellow and he's throwing him in prison. And all the other people knew what had happened and they saw that. And what do they do? They were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. So now, to make sure we understand the parallels here, the king, I believe in this case, in fact, if you go down to verse 35, you see this, that he says that the king is like the heavenly father. So we know that the king in this picture, in this parable that Jesus is telling, that's, that's the father, that's the heavenly father. The fellow servants, I believe, because of the parallels here, the fellow servants are the people of God, people who are God's people, Christians. You all are fellow servants in this story. We're all fellow servants. So he's, so he's saying here that, that we've got the, the king, the father, and the fellow servants, God's people. And they, it says there, when they saw this, they were very sorry. So they're going to go tell the king about this, but don't picture this as them tattling. Don't picture this as them gossiping amongst each other. That's not what's going on here. Not at all. They're not talking, okay, you believe. He, that's not what we're talking about. That's not the kind of talking about we're talking about. He's saying they're, they're very sorry. They are concerned over the injustice that was done. They were concerned that somebody is continuing to be harmed and hurt. They're concerned for this. They're upset about this. And they did the one thing that I think that we need to do when we see our brothers and sisters do this. When others see us do this, they went to their Lord with the matter. Do you hear that? You see what they did? They go to their Lord and tell him all that was done. That means, let me just make sure I'm very plain and very blunt. Church, North Beaver Baptist Church, when you see each other not forgiving, 
You see that we're unforgiving towards each other. I'm not, depending on your relationship, you might need to go talk to those people. There's all kinds of other things you need to do. But the one thing you absolutely should be doing, let's pray for each other. Let's bring this before the Lord. He's the master. He's the one that forgave me. And when Matthew's not forgiving like he needs to forgive, you know what? You know who's going to need to deal with me more than anybody else in this world? The master. He's the one that forgave me. Again, don't get me wrong. You may have a relationship, maybe a friend of yours. There may be an opportunity for you to say, hey, Billy, you need to do a better job. And we might have that kind of relationship to do that. We might. But absolutely, in every situation, what we absolutely must do is take this to the Lord. And I believe that's what, the, what God has called us to do. I don't think he's called us to, when we see this stuff, talk amongst ourselves. And you believe what he's been doing. We do, don't we? Y'all can act like you don't do it. <laughs> but I know better. I've been in church way too long to know, to, to pretend that people don't. God, can you believe it? That's why I'm saying this. We don't need to be talking about each other in this way. We don't need to be going and talking to other masters about this. Can you believe what them people down that church do down there? That's not the point. This is not about a gossip session. This is not about any of those. It's not about tattling on anybody. It's all about saying we see a problem and we want the situation corrected. We see a problem. We want this to happen. And we will then do what the passage says here and we'll take it to the master we're going to pray now i do want to make this one one point just to make sure we tie it back to the other parts of this chapter 18 remember verses 15 through 20 there is a process by which we go to someone who has sinned against us so if if i'm seeing one of you sin against each other if i'm if you're sinning against me there is a process in verse 15 through 20 in which i need to be pursuing my brother to get him to repent so I do want to acknowledge that, that is in there and that is important. But the point of this is to say, if you're not forgiving like you ought to do, you better hope that your church cares enough about you to pray and talk to the master about you. That's the one thing I want to make sure you see there. So first of all, if you don't forgive like you need to, the church is going to talk about you. Let's hope that they're talking to the Lord about you and not to each other about you, but let's do that. Second thing you're going to see is if you don't forgive like you should, I want to promise you, that God is going to deal with you. He's not going to let this go. If you go to verse 32, I already read that to you, but you can see there that he is not happy. He calls that servant a wicked servant. He reminds him, listen, I forgave you lavishly. I gave you more than you deserve. I, I overlooked things that no one should overlook, but I overlooked it because of you. I gave you something good, yet you're now being stingy with your forgiveness. So I had compassion on you. Shouldn't you have had compassion on your fellow servant? And so what happens in verse 34, this Lord is wroth and delivers him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. Now it says there, till he is able to pay all that's due to him. Do you think he could ever pay that debt? I mean, the answer is no. He will never be able to pay that debt. I do believe that this is a purposeful picture. My personal opinion, and there's some that would disagree with me on this, so we can have a different opinion on this one. But I happen to believe this is a good picture of what happens when God, who has given his son to the, to the, to the, um, to, to the sins of the whole world, to, to save the entire world, and people do not accept his forgiveness, 
They will not accept that. In fact, they will hold things against him. They'll hold things against other people. And when we do not forgive, there is this punishment that comes. I believe this is a picture of the eternal torments of hell that is pictured here. I believe that's what's pictured here. Again, not everybody agrees with me on that in terms of the, the interpretation of this parable, but I, will pro- I believe that that's, how I, that, that's what he has in mind. But because here's a, he's an unpayable debt. He can't, he can't stay in that prison long enough to pay it off. And in fact, think about it. If you've got to pay off a debt, where do you want to be? Not in prison. You're not making any money there. How are you going to do it? That's the point. He, he is there for punishment, not for repayment. And all, all that's to simply say to you that God does not condone unforgiveness of any type. For whatever reason. And I say that. Very plainly to say, I want to make sure I say this to you all. You're hearing me say this. I want to acknowledge my own failing in this area. I feel like I need to say this because this is, I'm I'm putting a pretty high bar because I believe the Bible puts a pretty high bar on this. That this unforgiving spirit is one that God does not condone. And I want to at least acknowledge that, man, that's a pretty high bar. I have a hard time doing what the scripture says here. But when we don't, he says here, Look at what he says in verse 34. He says, I'm going to send these people, send this, this man over to the tormentors. But then in verse 35, Jesus makes this turn. He says, so likewise shall my heavenly father do also unto you. He is saying here, listen, God is not going to put up with your unforgiveness. And this is not a contradiction because listen here, God is love. God is full of compassion. God is full of mercy. You hear that? He is love. Everything he does towards you and I is full of compassion and mercy. So when he sees us being loveless, lacking compassion, having no mercy towards our brothers, our sisters, people around us, I just want to put a point point blank to you. He doesn't like it. It makes him angry. It upsets him. Because he is so lavish in his love that he is not going to abide it for us. So what are we gonna, what is he going to do when we don't forgive? I believe there's three things he'll do here, and I'm gonna give them to you briefly. First of all, I've mentioned that these are, I believe this is a picture of not accepting the forgiveness of God and therefore the torments of hell. I don't believe that God is going to damn everyone to hell who ever doesn't forgive properly. I don't believe that. That's not what I want. I don't want to teach that to you. Because first of all, if we are believers, we are now his children. Do you know what? If y'all ever had any children, you know how children do. Do they not disobey from time to time? From time to time. I'm understating it. A whole lot. Do they not just, just, did I have knuckleheads? I know I was a knucklehead when I was growing up. I'm still kind of a knucklehead. I'm just telling you, you understand that I'm I'm, I'm God's child, but I... Just, I sin against him. What's he going to do in that situation where his children won't forgive like they need to? Well, I want to ask you to turn. I don't always do this, but I'm going to do this today. I want to ask you to turn over to Hebrews chapter 12. I want to read a few verses over in Hebrews chapter 12, if you'll follow with me. We'll come back to, to um, Matthew in just a moment. But Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 6. I want to just get and tell you the first thing that God's going to do. If you're one of his children, if you are saved, if you're a believer... God is going to correct you. He's going to correct you. Look what he says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 6. He says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. 
And we're going to read a little bit more, but let me just stop here and say, first of all, God loves you too much to let you continue in your sin. If you can be continuing in your sin for years and years and years and never see correction on that, I want to just tell you on the authority of God's word, I just don't know if you're a Christian or not. I don't know if you're one of his. Now, if you are sinning, I'm not saying we don't sin because we all do. First John, we read about this on Wednesday nights. First John chapter one. If you say you don't have sin, you're a liar. So we all sin. We all sin. But when we sin as believers, when we don't forgive, he loves us too much to let it go. So he says here, he's going to scourge us. He's going to give us a whooping is what he's going to do. He says in verse seven, if he endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is to be is, is he whom the father chasteneth not. For if he be without chastisement, wherefore all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. He says, if you're not getting corrected by the father when you don't forgive, you are not one of his. Can I, can I just put it to you this way with that correction? I don't know what form it's going to take, but I can promise you at the very least that form it's going to take is there's going to be some conviction in your soul. I know that forgiveness that I'm given isn't right. I know I should do more than I do. I'm not, I'm not being merciful to that person who harmed me or hurt me. He goes on to say in verse 9, or rather in, in verse 9, Furthermore, we had fathers of the flesh which corrected and gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the Father of the Spirit and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us so after their own pleasure... But look at what, why God's doing this. This is the reason God is chastening his children. He's correcting his children. He does it for our profit. That we might be partakers of his holiness. God is trying to shape us and he will. He will be effective in this. He is going to shape us and mold us into the image of his son. And who is more forgiving than Jesus Christ? He is going to make, you might be a stubborn knucklehead. But he's going to make you somebody, if you're one of his children, he's going to make you somebody who can forgive. That's what he's going to do. That's what he does. He will make us into the, it's for our good to shape us into those sorts of people. So the, the point of this is to simply say to you, if you're not forgiving, just know God's going to get you. He's going to come after you. He's going to correct you. And if you're one of his children, you better listen to the father's correction. Hear what he's saying and say, thank you, father. Let me do better now. Those of you that might be listening to me today that are not forgiven of your sins, who have not been forgiven, who are not Christians, who are not children of God, you're going to say, well, Matthew, I can't forgive. I just don't know how to forgive. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, you're not going to be able to forgive. You don't, you've not experienced forgiveness, so you're not going to ever be able to do it. So what is God going to do to you? He's going to convict you. He's going to convict you. In fact, in John chapter 16, verse 8, it says, When the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, has come, he's going to reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He comes in and he talks to you and says, you're not doing it right. And you're, as, a, as an unbeliever, you're being, I, I don't know if I'm talking to anybody that's here today, but I just want to make sure, even if I'm not, for you that are believers, make sure you're sharing this with your unbelieving friends. Tell them, listen, if you don't know Jesus, you're never going to be able to forgive. And that emptiness inside of you, the Holy Spirit's driving you. He's convicting you to say you need to be forgiven so that you can forgive. 
So he's going to be driving you to that. And then once you've been forgiven, then you're now going to have that equipment, those tools to be able to forgive. And of course, there are some who are just unrepentant. God has offered his only begotten son on the cross to forgive us of our sins. And they choose not only to reject his forgiveness, but to turn around and say, no, I'm not going to accept his forgiveness and I'm not going to give it. And there's people like that in this world who are hardened toward their sin. And God tells, or the Bible tells me that he is going to condemn the unrepentant. Now, I believe that the, the Holy Spirit is at work today and I believe that there are people who are not saved, that God is working on them, showing them their need and they're being convicted and they're being drawn. And I believe that. And I, I hope that if you're in that condition today that you're hearing the Holy Spirit and you'll respond to his, his calling of you. I hope you'll do that. But there are people who will have heard the truth. They know the truth. Jesus has offered his forgiveness. That unpayable sin debt that you have, it's been paid for. There's no question about it being paid for. There's not a sin on this planet that has not been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Yet there are some who will say, I don't care. I don't want that. I reject that. I'll do it my way. I'll follow my religion. And what he has said for those people is that there is condemnation. In fact, in Revelation, it talks about the fearful and unbelieving, the abominable, murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. He's offered unlimited forgiveness, literally unlimited forgiveness. And those that are unwilling to forgive, not even, not even willing to go to him to get help for forgiveness, they are showing that they do not value that, they never appreciated that, and they are fully rejecting that. All of that is simply to put under this big banner to say, if you're not forgiving, and when you don't forgive, God is going to deal with you. Let's hope he's dealing with us as sons. Because he's going to then give us, hey, hey Matthew, you better do it better. I'll, I'll, I'll spank you to remind you if I need to. I'll do what I need to to get you where you need to. But you're going to forgive, Matthew, because you're one of my sons. If not one of his sons, he's going to remind you as one who's not one of his sons, but he's going to convict you. You need to be forgiving, and I have offered you forgiveness. And I hope that you're not one of those that rejects him completely, because if you do, you'll be condemned forever. Well then, it kind of leaves you in that spot. At least, I, at least let me put it this way, it leaves me in this spot. I don't know where it leaves y'all, because I, I don't know y'all well enough yet. I'm trying to figure y'all out. I'm working on you. But uh, we'll, we'll figure it out. But I'll tell you, it leaves me in a spot. So but how, do I, how do I forgive? I want to forgive. Can, can I just level with y'all? I, I, I have some, some people in my mind right now that I really am working to forgive. And I'm having difficulty doing that. I'm being honest with you. I'm definitely having difficulty doing that. So when I'm reading a passage like this, I'm saying, Matthew, I... I I know I'm a child of God and I know that the Lord's working on me trying to get me to, to shape me into the image of Christ and make me more of a forgiving person. So what does that even look like? What does that mean? Can I point you to what he says in verse 35 just to give you, I believe, what, what Jesus wants us to hear about forgiveness. He says here, so likewise shall my heavenly father do also unto you. Talking about this, this pursuing that God's going to do. He's going to chastise or he's going to convict or he's going to condemn. But he says, if, from, if ye from your hearts 
forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. He says here, you need to forgive. You need to from your heart forgive. You need to forgive from your heart. See, what I want, I want the 10 steps to forgiveness. What are the 10 things I need to do in order to forgive? That's what I want. I want the book. Give me the book. Let me read it, study it, and I'll take the test. And I'm a forgiving person. That's what I want. That's not how the Bible talks about it. He literally says, you need a heart that is a forgiving heart. In the Bible, the heart is the center of all that you are. It's your source of your emotions, how you feel. It's the source of your will, the things you decide to do, the choices you make. It's the source of your thinking, your belief system. It's literally the thing that makes you you. That's what the Bible talks about, the heart. That's what it's talking about. In fact, this is Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 says that keep your heart, keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. So literally everything that you do think and feel comes out of your heart. That's where it starts from. Now, here's the problem. The Bible also tells me that my heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? (laughs) My heart is messed up from the bottom to the top. I have a diseased heart. The heart that I described, everything that I do think and feel that flows from, that thing is diseased. That thing is destroyed. That thing is messed up. But here's the good news. I have a God. You have a God. Who changes hearts. Make sure, make sure I'm, you're following the logic that I'm trying to show you here from the scripture. The Bible doesn't give us a, here's the 10 step plan to forgiveness. The Bible says you need a heart that's a forgiving heart. So he's literally saying you don't have the right equipment. If you're not forgiving, it's because you don't have the equipment to forgive. You need God to give you the equipment to forgive. That's what you need. The good news is God does that. Ezekiel eleven nineteen. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. So ultimately, if I'm to be a forgiving person, we have to do what the psalmist says in Psalm 51 and ask God, create in me a clean heart, O God. You're going to have to go to the Lord and say, listen, my forgiveness does not meet up, match up to what it should. There's somebody that has wronged me and I'm holding a grudge against them. There's somebody that's wronged me and I want them to pay. There's somebody that I don't like and I will not forgive them. I won't let it go. I might, it might have been so many, so many years ago. I can't even remember what they did, but I can't forgive them. Yeah, you know how it is sometimes, some of those things that we have. We, we have those kinds of grudges. We have those things that we hold. We won't forgive. But you're going to have to go to God and say, I can't forgive them. I don't know how to forgive them. But I know that you forgave me of so much. So you're going to have to do a work inside of me. Do you understand this? That this is not something that y'all can flip a switch in your head and say, oh, forgiven. And I say this because I'm at least sympathetic to some of the things that have been wrong. Some of the wrongs that have been done against you are egregious, serious. And some of those things you can't just say, we're good now. And if you are, you're not a human being. You don't have feelings. But what you are going to have to do is say, God, I recognize that the debt that you forgave me of is so huge and so enormous that this thing that they've done, it hurts. I don't like it. It feels bad. They're wrong. 
But you're going to have to change my heart so that I can forgive them like you forgave me. Uh, what I just said is not simple. It's not direct. We want instant answers. We want to put it in the spiritual microwave, hit 10 seconds and be done. That's not how the Bible works. That's not how God works on a lot of these things. This is one where you have to go to him and say, Lord, make a clean heart in me, whatever that takes. And I don't know what he's going to do, but I will tell you, he answers prayers. So if there's somebody this morning, and I'm inviting you to an invitation, if there's somebody this morning in your heart and your mind, and I'm having a hard time forgiving them, and I know I'm wrong, maybe the Lord showed me, hey, maybe even today showed me you're wrong for not forgiving them. Would you come and just talk to the Lord and say, Lord, I know I'm wrong, but you're going to have to fix me because Forgiveness comes from the heart, and my heart is just not right. Could you do that? Would you do that? That's my invitation to you. Secondly, I want to invite those of you that have never been saved. Jesus is not your Savior. If you've never been forgiven of your sins, would you come? I want to show you what Jesus already has died for your sins. They're already paid for. I want to show you how you can receive that gift for yourself. I want to invite you to do that. I want to ask you to stand. And I want to invite you to come to the Savior this morning. Ask him to change your heart so you can forgive as you have been forgiven. Lord, you're going to have to do a work in our, in our hearts today, Lord. Even as I say these things, God, I, I have a frustration in my soul, in myself, that I want to be able to say these people are forgiven. But Lord, you know... It is a supernatural work. You're going to have to do it for me. There are others in this room that you're going to have to do it for them so that they can have your peace, so they can be made into the image that Jesus is, that you can be made into your, into your image, that we can be molded to you. And I pray, God, that you will give us that grace to come to you and ask for a clean heart. I'm asking this in Jesus' name. Amen. Give you an opportunity to respond. I'll come down front if you'd like to come and have somebody pray with you. You just let me know. I'll do that. Otherwise, this is just a moment of reflection for you. You come as the Lord leads you.